All right, everybody, you are listening to the Minding Mind podcast, where we live life with ease, connection, and permission to just be. I'm your host, Evelyn Lavaster, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Patrice Jackson to talk about disrupting burnout, and I cannot wait for you to hear more. But first, let me tell you a little bit about my beautiful friend. Dr. Patrice Buckner Jackson, known in her community and to me as Dr. PBJ, gives educators the strategies for accomplishing purposeful work without burnout. Dr. PBJ is an educator of almost 25 years and an executive coach for more than 10 years. She holds a doctoral degree in education administration, served in executive leadership at colleges and universities, and facilitates leadership training as a faculty member for the Center for Creative Leadership. Dr. Jackson worked in higher education at many levels, from student assistant to president's cabinet, and is the recipient of several professional awards and accolades. Dr. Jackson founded Educare Training and Consulting, LLC, through a purpose of pouring into those who pour out so much. Much of her work is specifically focused on equipping and refreshing educators. Compassionate work can carry a high price tag. Your mind, body, spirit, and relationships may be in distress as you serve the needs of others. Dr. Jackson leads her community to serve well without paying an ultimate price. Dr. PBJ is the creator and host of the Disrupting Burnout podcast, as well as the author of the Amazon number one new release and Amazon bestseller, Disrupting Burnout, the professional woman's lifeline to finding purpose. PBJ, welcome to the podcast. Listen, Evelyn, you know that you light up my life. Every time I talk to you, your truth and vulnerability just helps me peel off another layer and, and encourages me to be all of me. So I am honored to be here with you, to share this space with you and to have this conversation with you. Oh my gosh. If that is not the compliment of all compliments, because if there's one thing I want for any woman is my in my presence ever is to know that she does not ever have to wear a mask. She does not ever have to be anything that she isn't. She just has to be, and I love you for it. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for being here. It's my honor. It's my honor. PPJ, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, friend. So you said a lot of it in the bio, but I'll just summarize it like this. I'm a disruptor. I am a disruptor of systems that lead us to overwhelm, overachieving, overworking, systems that cause us or encourage us to try to contort ourselves to fit into boxes that were not created for us, particularly for professional women. You know, those of us who have accomplished some things, we've got some years under our belt, we have degrees under our belt, some experiences, skills, people calling us, they even recognize us sometimes and show some value. But if we tell the truth, we've done all of that and we still feel bamboozled and frustrated Mm -hmm. because all of that leaves you empty if there's a disconnect in your soul. Mm -hmm. I'm a disruptor, friend. I'm here to tear those systems apart. I love it. I love it. And I'm here for every ounce of it. I I resonate so much with what you're saying because, first of all, on so many levels. I used to be an educator. I was a middle school teacher for 11 years. And I actually left the profession because I felt that overwhelm, that burnout, that 
sitting in the parking lot saying, Evelyn, you got to get out the car and go inside. Like you have to make it through these six hours, right? But it's not just the burnout there. It's the disconnect in feeling like that's just what I had to do, thinking that there wasn't an alternative. And then ultimately, and we started talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but that thought of if I'm exhausted and overwhelmed, then I must be doing it right. Because isn't that how we show people that we love them? We give, Mm -hmm. give and give and never take, right? Like I carried that story and I know, I know so many women carry that story of feeling empty, but wearing that, like wearing that disconnect, like, like a cape. It's because it's in our blood. The trauma is in our bodies, right? So not just my life, not just your life, but think about women who came before us in our own bloodlines, in our own cultures, in our own communities. For years, women have not been given permission to rest, to be, to even know who she is. We've been so focused on what we're supposed to do. I do motherhood. I do being a spouse. I do being a professional woman. I have to have these accolades. I have to have these degrees. We're so focused in our lives. When you talk about sitting in that car trying to talk yourself into walking in, I see that, and in my mind, that's survival. It's not thriving. It is not thriving. It is a daily just surviving. And because generations of women before us did not have this freedom, was did not have this awareness, had to live like this, it's been passed down to us and it flows out of us without us even trying. It's the unintentional trap. Yeah, We didn't even know how we got trapped. We didn't even know how we got there. But because we've been taught this is what women do, This is what you're supposed to do. This is what life is. We find ourselves stuck in what I call the cycle of burnout. You're surviving. You can barely carry everything, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's what work looks like. And everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is doing it. This is what womanhood looks like. So you're just surviving, never thriving, never full of joy, just waking up the next day and doing it all over again. Yep. Yep. Yes. But you know, okay. So I feel like there's a piece of me that when I lived that way, there was always a, like, there was always a part of me that felt like there, this just, this can't be it. This cannot be my forever. This can't be my forever. But now when I, you know, and it took a long time and a lot of healing and a lot of prayer and a a lot of like pushing through a lot of fear to leave the profession and do something that actually makes me feel whole, right? But now I can look at it as it feels powerful. Like you talked about that trauma being passed down in our DNA. And I like to believe, or I know that healing works in the same way, right? Like trauma changes your body at a cellular level. It does. And you pass that on to your children without even ever consciously knowing it. But healing works the same way, right? Like when you unlearn something, when you change the way you do something, when you disrupt the way you've been living, 
you are changing the chemical makeup in your mind. Mm -hmm. Also, when you're teaching those lessons to your children and they're watching you live for purpose and passion and fulfillment, you're changing their DNA. So how powerful is it to know that the choices you're making today, your grandchildren, somebody else's grandchildren are out there living completely different at a physical level, at a cellular level, they are different because of what you did today. And that, what you just said, Evelyn, gives us permission to start now. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been living this way, how many seasons of life you've been through, what you just said of how we pass down healing, that gives us permission to start right now. We always think about what we were taught, but I want you to think about what do you want to teach? Mm-hmm. What message, what lesson, what standards, what ideas do you want to pass along for those who are watching you, for those who are learning from you informally and formally? What lessons, what messages do you want to ingrain in them? I love that. Absolutely. We can choose to pass down healing. 100%. I love that. That feels that it just feels powerful and it feels like you have choice in your life it feels like you actually get to inject joy in your day just because that's what you want right Mm -hmm. you get to spread that you get to live as light right you get you get to recognize that you are literally a walking ball of energy and when you are in a like I like to believe when I walk in a room I change it just just because I'm there I don't have to speak I walk in and my energy changes that room. Absolutely. Right? Like you can feel that when you're around certain people, you can feel like, I don't know, you just sit up a little taller, right? Or they start speaking and suddenly you feel your shoulders shift back a little bit and your chin is up high. That's their energy. That's mm-hmm. their soul speaking to yours. Yeah. I love knowing that your healing helps other women rise and spread. It's like we, we start a ripple. That gives me chills. It gives me chills. I always think about the thermometer versus the thermostat. Hmm. The thermometer can just tell you the temperature in the room. It just gives a report. The thermostat changes the temperature in the room. And we've got enough people who can just report what's going on. We got enough people who can just say and summarize what's happening. We need more people to tap into their, what I call brilliance that innate, unique value that you bring to the world like nobody else, your fingerprint, your signature, tap into your brilliance so you can be the thermostat. You will change every room, every environment, every person, every company, every meeting, every organization that you are a part of will be transformed, not from your striving, not from your overworking, not from your overperforming or overcommitment, but but because you are there. Brilliance flows freely from you just because you are. That's it. That's it. And I love also the idea that I used to think, I feel like when I first started this like inner work journey, there was a part of me that was like, I wish everybody that I love could feel this way, right? Because if they just got a drop of what I feel, it would change the trajectory of their lives. I know that. Mm -hmm. But there's also the part of me that recognizes 
their journey is their business and I can't control that, right? It's not my business to change the way they live. It's my business to show up differently for myself and for them. But I love knowing like, because again, I'm a visual girl, just being me, just waking up, living my life the way that I live it, speaking the way that I do, loving the way that I do, yeah. plant seeds, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not my job to water them or nourish them, but I drop the seeds. And I love to think about two, three years from now, everywhere that I went, everywhere that I went, there's blossoms growing, there's some gardens flowing, right? Like I, I love to know that in one human being, we have that much power. We really do. We feel powerless sometimes. We feel like the problems in the world are so huge and they are, but also our world is the one we create. Mm -hmm. And the world is scary. I, I am not like downplaying that at all. But but my world, my world is pretty beautiful. You just gave us one of the keys of disrupting that cycle of burnout. When you make the decision and you honor that somebody else's journey is not your business, not only do we feel overwhelmed by doing all the things and carrying all the responsibilities, but we feel responsible for every human being we encounter. Every child, every spouse, every colleague, every client, every person that we serve, we feel responsible for changing them. Mm -hmm. And what you just declared, I believe is giving somebody freedom for them to understand that it's not your business. Mm -hmm. How long, when, if, someone decides to walk into freedom, you need to honor their decision, mm -hmm. honor their journey and release yourself from the responsibility of wearing that cape, being that superhero, being that savior, lay the cape down mm -hmm. and honor the choices of other people. That's how we start to disrupt this cycle. I even think the idea that we have to do for everyone that we have to help them change that we have that we have to right when you really get into that that feels a little self-absorbed mm. because you make their journey about you right like if I'm trying to force you to change because I think it's what's best for you the only common denominator there is my thoughts Ooh. I do not get to decide what's best for you I don't get to decide that your life is not happy the way you are. Like if I take on responsibility for your life, then I release you from responsibility of your own. That does not make any sense. So you chose violence today. I see what's Ooh. going on. Okay. <laughs> right. If you think about it like that, like when we're sitting here and we're trying to control the way other people are living, we that, that is making ourselves much too an important character in their lives. Mm -hmm. They have to be priority the way we prioritize ourselves. I look at my daughters. I look at my daughters and I know that I pray every day for their health, for their safety, for their happiness. But I understand without a doubt that my ultimate responsibility is to teach them to live a life without me. And it hurts to even say that because there's the part of me that used to say, like, I want to run to a mountain and just us live out there, just us, right? We're safe, we're alone, we're living off the land, we're fine. But the truth of the matter is, 
God did not grant me those two gifts of children to say, keep them in a bubble and make them like you. He said to love them and honor them and teach them to be who they are. And who they become is not my business. When I was in rock bottom burnout, I was convinced that everybody in my life needed me. All of my students, Evelyn, I had 25,000 students. And in my heart, they were all mine. Mm -hmm. I called them mine. Some of them even called me Mama Dean or Mama Vice President. So they put a parental role with my professional role because all of those emotional lines were crossed in my heart. And I was folk, I couldn't say no. I had to go to everything they invited me to. I had to take on every project because who's going to take care of my students like me? Who's going to be there for them if I'm not? Who's going to serve them if I'm not? Let me tell you something. When I left my job due to burnout, do you understand that that university is still open to this day? Wait a minute, y'all didn't hear me. They didn't close the door. They're still accepting students. They're still graduating students. The very students that I was concerned about, what are they going to do without me? Those students graduated, started careers and started families, and I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I wasn't significant to their life. It just means I wasn't the only one. Yes. And what I found was it was less about them needing me and more about my need to be needed. That's that. I mean... If that does not describe almost everything that we struggle with, the the overcompensating at work, the overcompensating with our children, then feeling guilty about it all, the shame, the guilt, and then repeat the cycle over and over and over again, when really it's that we are making ourselves the main character in other people's story. That is not like, if if ultimately we know, if ultimately we know that purpose work and passion and fulfillment are an internal job, then we need to step back and let people go in. Let them, let them decide their journey. And when they're ready to see a different path, they'll walk it. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. They will. And they will have a more powerful experience because it's theirs, not what we're trying to put on them. We struggle or I've struggled because I was trying to live up to what other people put on me, labels they gave me, titles they gave me, degrees, right? I worked for them, but all of that was defining how I showed up. It wasn't until I released all of it that I was able to fully be me, not just for me, but for the people that I'm called to impact. So if I needed to release it, then how is it appropriate for me to put my expectations on another human being? They deserve better. I like to picture this like we're all born with a soul, right? Mm -hmm. And our soul has zero insecurities, has zero limiting beliefs, has zero questions about who we are or why we're here. Our Mm. soul does not question that. So when we grow up and we start living for other people, when we start questioning ourselves, when we start living in like how I did for a very long time, self-consciousness and, and physical insecurity, right? It feels so awful because it literally is a betrayal to our innermost self. 
right? So when I see people sad, depressed, hurt, it's because they are literally living for connection to an outside world. But the connection that will save them is the one with themselves, Yeah. right? And I feel like, and I know that you see this, I know you feel this because I see it in your eyes. When you release all that outward validation, when you stop chasing acceptance, when you stop wearing labels as if they define who you are, when you really just give yourself permission to be the person that feels good to you, it is literally like your soul is screaming, thank you for coming back to me. I've been waiting. Thank you for coming home. Coming back because it's not new. No. It was the original intention. It was the original intention. It is the foundation of who you are. And, and I talked to so many people, specifically women who are searching. How do I find purpose? How do I find purpose? And I always say, friend, it's not lost. It's not lost. You don't have to find purpose. You discovered that brilliance. It's already in your story. It actually flows from you without you even thinking about it. Even if you're not aware, even with you, without you being aware, your soul pours out without you even knowing the impact you're making. And then when you become aware, it magnifies and multiplies because you can be intentional about the way that you sow and the way that you give. So I love the way you say, come home, come back. Because it's not a new discovery. It's not something that shows up when you get the special job, when you get the special degree, when you get the accolade, when you get the validation. It is who you've been all of your life. From your first breath, that's who you that's who you're looking for. Yes. That's who you want to be connected to. You were I, I believe that we were spoken into this earth uh, already assigned to a purpose, a brilliance. When you got here, there was already in you that soul, that call, that your personality fits it, how you think fits it. And and we spend so much time adjusting ourselves according to culture and what we're taught and what we've been told when the truth of the matter is, if you can just get back to the original intention of who you were created to be, that's where you're going to find your freedom. That's it. And I say all the time to my clients, like, it's not about, you're not lost. You're mm -hmm. buried. You're buried. And digging, digging, unleashing, releasing, you'll find your freedom. Yeah. It's in there. It's in there. It's just that you're so desperate for other people to see you. But the ultimate betrayal is that you don't see you. It took me breaking, Evelyn. It literally took me breaking. I, I had worked in education for 20 years and I had gotten to vice president level. So I was top leadership at the university succeeding on paper oh looking good got the doctorate got the corner office the parking spot with my title on it all the things all the things friend I showed up to work one day I could barely walk I got into that office and I crumbled I couldn't speak I couldn't breathe it was literally like the weight of the whole world was on my back what I really wanted to do was crawl under that desk and lay there in the fetal position. I finally pulled up enough something to call Edward, my husband. 
I tried to explain to him what was going on. Keep in mind, everything was happening. Students were moving in. Parents had questions. People had problems. All the things were happening. And I'm falling apart in my office. Edward said, go home. He said, go home. I'll meet you there. I was like, friend, I, I can't go home. Do you know that it's August in education? You don't get to go home in August. You don't get to take care of yourself. You don't. It is go time. He interrupted me again. He said, I'll be home in 10 minutes. Go home. Something broke in me. When he said go home, I don't know if this is what he meant, but I typed a letter. I printed that letter. I went to where my president was in a meeting. And when that meeting ended and door opened, I handed that president that letter and said, I'm sorry. And I left. I quit with no notice. I didn't go home because my phone was ringing off the hook and people were trying to hire me. I didn't even go home because I had a plan. I went home because I had taught everybody in my life that I could be all things to all people. And they believed me. I can't help but to see the parallel between you continuously saying I went home, meaning the physical place, but you went home. I went home. And I, in the moment, Evelyn, in the moment, I thought I had lost everything. In the moment, I thought I had thrown away my career. I had thrown away, the salary was gone. Everything was gone. I didn't know if anybody would hire me again. But in this moment, having this conversation with you, what you're saying is exactly right. I went home. I let go of every accolade of every title of every validation of every it was like chains if you if you picture Pinocchio with the strings I had chains and those chains were manipulating me all the days of my life and going home felt like throwing it all away and now I know it was releasing everything to discover me yeah so it was what did that look like for you? Because I know when I left teaching, my husband and I budgeted for a while, you know, before I made the decision. And then even when I left, there was still a part of me saying like, am I going to regret this? Am I teaching my girls to quit? Am I showing them, you know, all the wrong lessons as their mother? I've never been financially dependent on somebody. And here I am leaving my job without a backup plan, technically. Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, well, first of all, my husband earlier in the year, he said, you know what? I just feel like we need to save extravagantly. I, I just feel like we really need to focus on saving. And I'll be honest, I wasn't feeling it. I'm like, for what? I got the big job now. We're good. He's like, nah, I don't know why. I just, I just feel like we need to save. So we had saved, but I was thinking, okay, this is for the dream house or, you know, whatever. So we had something, but friend, you know, people talk about getting to six figures. I gave up multiple six figures in a day, walked away with no notice. So it, it wasn't an intentional decision. I didn't plan to do that that day. I knew transition was coming at some point. It, it was a tough time. So I knew transition was coming, but I was just starting to think about what that might look like. And I, I had only been there 10 months, you know, so I knew, okay, I got to be here at least two or three years to explain, you know, to look good on the resume. I had no intention of leaving that click that, that quickly. So when I broke that day, 
I literally went home and sat at home and I didn't even know how to stop. I didn't know what stop was. I was out of work for five months. And at first, people called, oh, we heard you're available. You, you want to do this position for us? You want to do that position? And it wasn't long before the calls dried up because words started traveling about how I left. And in addition to that, some folks added their own things that wasn't true. So there were people who wanted to hire me, but couldn't. There were people who wanted to bring me on, um, but were told that they shouldn't and they couldn't. So I was afraid. I was unsure, but yet we were okay in the midst of it. We were, we were more than okay. We didn't change our lifestyle. Not one bill went unpaid. What I thought I could never do, I did in a moment and it was just for me. And I went back to work in January, 2020, but I was better. Mm -hmm. I had some strategies under my belt. I had begun my healing process. I had begun to connect to who I am. So I went back a different person. Yeah. I went back a different person. So yeah, we, I never planned to leave that way, but looking back at it, it would have been something that I would say, oh, I would never do that, but I did it and we were fine. Mm -hmm. And, and it was the only way that it had to be done for you at that time. You're right. Because anything else would have, you you would have automatically let your conscious mind start taking over and rationalizing and explaining all the reasons that you have to stay, you have to give a good notice, you want to leave on good terms, you don't want to be judged, you don't want to be taught. Nobody at any position that you work for is going to replace the you that is you. They could put another hot body in your seat but they cannot replace the you that is you, the you that impacts your home and your family. No, no. Remove me from the system in this household and my children and my husband are different people. Remove me from a paying job and somebody else could sit there. It's fine. And will, and will. Quickly, Quickly. I love the idea of being able to spread the word that I don't care what your paycheck is, I don't care what your position is. I don't care what the title says or what kind of car you drive. If you are falling apart, you are betraying yourself and you are hurting the people that love you too. I always ask people, what are you unwilling to lose? Because it got down to it, Evelyn, I betrayed my own physical body and my health. I betrayed my own faith by putting everything else first. I betrayed my own soul, my family, my husband, my child, desired time with me, wanted to love on me, and I was focused on everybody else's child and the system and this and that. And I had to get to the point to say, you know what? This is where I draw the line. What I won't do, I will not allow the my health to be the cost anymore. I will not allow my peace to be the cost anymore. I, I remember telling Edward, I said, I don't know what it feels like to lose your mind, but I feel like it's happening to me. I don't I don't know what that feels like, but I, I think I think I'm breaking. I think I'm losing my mind. That's 
how long I had betrayed my own soul and how deep the soul wounds had grown. We talk about self-care, but I try to encourage people, you need more than self-care. You can go get the facial and still come back broken. Yeah. You can go take the walk and come back overwhelmed. You can even take the beautiful vacation. And when you get back, all of those demands are still waiting for you. So how do you make the real change? It's the soul work. It's the heart. It's the heart work. It's not just the surface time management, self-care, and not even resilience, Evelyn. Boundaries. It's friend, it's boundaries. It's boundaries. How do you protect what means most to you? Where do you draw your line? And what are you willing to do about it? Not just talk about it. What are you willing to do to protect what means most to you? And and just the fact that, God, like we spend so much of our life, like just doing the things that we didn't even want to do mm. out of obligation and calling it loyalty, doing things for family because they're family, accepting behaviors that made us feel small because that's who they are. Every single piece of it was reinforcing the fact that our choices betray us. And if you want different, you got to start doing different. Yeah. Like yeah. today, Evelyn, today, go ahead and invite me somewhere. If I want to go, know that I'm there because I want to be there. Yeah. If I don't want to go, I just say no. When people ask why, because I don't want to. I am convinced that we hold on to those expectations and continue to try to fit into those boxes because we're trying to avoid the pain and discomfort. I don't want the pain and discomfort of disappointing other people. I don't want the pain and discomfort of, of making someone angry with me or having this divide in the relationship. But friend, you're going to pay either way. So you either pay the pain and discomfort of somebody else's opinion and how they feel, or you pay the cost of your own soul. What are you willing to pay? And also there again, because I constantly am talking about mind your business. It is not your, their reaction is not your business. If you try to control their reaction again, you're making yourself the main character in their story. Mm. You, your job is to speak your truth. Yeah. Not to control how they receive it. Even when I have very difficult conversations with my husband, I know sometimes conversations are awkward. Sometimes they are painful. Sometimes I have to put myself together ahead of time because the last thing I want to do is hurt this man that I love so much. But also to lie to myself is not an option anymore. Not an option. Not an option. So I have to tell myself, your job is to speak your truth. His job is to process your words his way. And you cannot control his reaction to it. Listen. Let him be mad. Let him be mad. That's okay. He's entitled to that. I even will start my conversations with him sometimes saying, there's something difficult that I want to talk about. You know my heart. You mm. know that I would never say something to intentionally hurt you. And I trust that whatever I say, you can process on your own. And when you're ready to talk about it, we will. And then I have to let him have his reaction to it. 
right? Other than that is control. I can't control the narrative of his emotions, nor can I control someone being upset with me because I didn't come to their event. Yes. Okay, I'm going to let you process what you're feeling. And if they push back, I'm going to ask them, what about my no is making you uncomfortable? Please elaborate. Please. <laughs> I'm pretty sure your event is going to be great with or without me there. It's not about me. It's the freedom in what you're saying for me. It is the freedom of understanding that I am not responsible for changing or manipulating another person's emotions or their responses. Even if that person is someone I dearly love, my child, my husband, my mama, I am not responsible for managing their emotions or their responsibility. It's inappropriate for me to mind their business. That's it. It's inappropriate. And just like I expect the people in my life to give me space to process, to feel, to respond, I owe them. I owe them the same. Here, here's what I need to give you. And I trust you to do what you need to do for you. And I also trust that regardless of the outcome of this conversation, I'm going to be all right. And so are you. I'm going to be all right. And mm -hmm. so are you. We have, I say this, I mean, no disrespect to my husband ever. Yes. If our marriage ended tomorrow, I would be devastated temporarily because without Armand, I'm still Evelyn. He is a companion. He is a compliment in my life, but he doesn't complete me. I do that. Oof. So when you start to recognize that people are characters in your story, you pay more attention to your journey and let them play their role too. Respecting the fact that you're not the main character in their journey either. Absolutely. Don't expect Armin to live his life like Evelyn is the leading lady. Listen, I know I act like the world revolves around me, but it don't. Okay. <laughs> No, I act like it's all about me. But really, I respect the fact that he is a human being and an individual first. Yes. He's entitled to his journey, his way, not mm -hmm. mine. And I have to trust. I have to trust that he can handle whatever it is that I put out there. And I have to trust that whatever comes out of it will both be fine. Yeah. I really believe that God put us here for each other. Mm -hmm. I believe God intended us to be in each other's lives. That does not mean that God intended us to be together forever. And mm -hmm. I have no control over that. That's why my only job is to spread joy in our day while I can and try to live life to the best of my ability while we're together. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what tomorrow brings ever. And, and you don't, you're not living according to a what if. It's what I hear in you is an even if. Yes. Yes. Even if I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. Even yes. if that's what faith is. Yes. That's, we live in this fear, the shadow of what if, what if, what if. You release the what if and say, even if. Mm -hmm. Even if 
I'm still, I'm, I'm still PBJ. I'm still Patrice. You're still Evelyn. I'm still going to breathe. I'm still going to wake up. I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to have joy. And it doesn't mean you don't go through hard times, but you have to have a view of the world that understands and honors. You have your own soul and so does everybody around you. Each person is responsible to their soul. And it's such, I feel like it is such a, almost like a release for your partner too, that you're able to, you're able to take on the burden of your own joy. Yeah. Rather than putting it on them. Yes. Imagine the, the, the burden that it is for somebody to feel like they have to try to lift you up. They have to try to make you happy. They're responsible for everything that you feel. I want a partner, not a parent. And not just that you're, you're putting God responsibilities on a human. No person can be perfect. No person, no other person is responsible for your own joy, for your emotions, for your, that is not their response. That's not their business. And we also, in addition to making me happy, making me feel good, we blame people when we fail to do our own work. Well, I can't get better because he doesn't get better or she doesn't get better or I can't heal because so-and-so won't heal or I can't do this or take care of my body because so-and-so won't do it. Friend, you're responsible to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and instead of taking on that power and that responsibility, we want to blame somebody else and put that responsibility on them. And it's not theirs. It's not theirs. And it's too heavy. Like, I can't imagine my husband saying to me, like, I need you to make me happy. I need you to make me healthy. I need you to make me whole. Like, how does a human being do that? Can't. It's hard enough trying to do it for yourself. Right. And I mean, and I'm not downplaying the fact that some people really struggle in their relationships and some people really have like, there's some serious emotional disconnect there's some serious like physical disconnect there's like you know mental emotional abuse I'm talking about when you hit that point where you say to yourself this cannot be my forever Mm. I'm talking about that point when you say to yourself if anything is going to change in my life it has to start with me I have to do something different that's who I'm talking to I'm not talking about, you know, the the person who is like, my husband doesn't buy flowers and things like that. Those are, you could talk about it. I'm talking about reconnecting with your soul. I'm talking about taking your happiness and your joy and and, and your pleasure and your satisfaction in your every single day and owning it. Mm. Own it. Spread it. Lift other women up. Watch people rise. Like, that's contagious. And spread it just by showing up. That's it. Just by showing up, not overworking, not overperforming, not taking on too much, but just by being in the room, just by being in the virtual room, just by showing up and being who you are, your brilliance flows and everybody around you will be impacted because of who you are. Mm -hmm. That is the absolute truth. I love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, PBJ, I just like to look at your smile and look at your light. Pouring out of you. I, I know that we've been on for quite a while, so I want to respect your time. But can you tell me a little bit of like, what is it that you're doing now? Yeah. Tell me about this disrupting burnout book that Amazon sold out of. 
And then, and then tell me like where we, where everybody can find you. Yes, absolutely. So currently I am traveling the country at universities and companies and healthcare systems, sharing this message of disrupting burnout. I am giving purposeful professionals the strategies of how to pour out purpose without living through the consequences of burnout, giving them these heart work strategies so that they can show up every day full and not empty. And as a result of this work, I wrote this book, Disrupting Burnout. It is my own story. It is the stories of my clients. It is the research that I've done. I have found that the surface tactics are not enough. Time management, resilience, work-life balance, honor to all of it, but it's not deep enough. It is the soul work that must be done in order for us to disrupt the cycle of burnout. So this book, Evelyn, is the most complete work I've ever done. When I speak, I'm up there for an hour to four hours. You know, when I'm on my podcast, it's 30 minutes to 45 minutes. This book has it all. I've told stories that I've never said out loud. I've shared lessons that I have learned the hard way. And this book is my offering specifically to professional women. It's a sanctuary. It's a safe space that you can go. And it's not just a, a read. Like there are activities. There's a journal that accompanies the book that will help you walk through the heart work strategies so that you can heal so that you can free your heart and you can show up full in your brilliance. And so that's what I'm doing. Folks can contact me or they can reach out to get the book at disruptingburnoutbook.com. All of the information is there, disruptingburnoutbook.com. I would encourage everybody to start right there. Check out this book and every other connection is in the book, but start with the book. Awesome. And you know that I will have the links all up in the show notes, book, podcast, socials, all the things. Before we let you go, we have the question of the hour. And the question of the hour always is, because you know, in the Minding Mind community, we're all about getting deep into your gut instincts, getting deep, uh, connected with your intuition, and recognizing that the healing work that we do is for us, but it's not about us. Our big picture is legacy. So can you think about what is it that the work you do, how is it that that is shaping the legacy you leave? So there was a time, Evelyn, where you would ask me about legacy and my mind would only go to my daughter because when I look at her, I'm constantly thinking about what I'm leaving and what I'm passing down. But through doing this work, my vision is bigger now. Every woman that I've encountered, whether it's a woman or person, every person, every human that I've encountered, whether they're listening to this podcast or they pick up the book or they've heard me speak, I believe that there's a seed that's planted every time I open my mouth. And my legacy is not just what I'm saying, but that I practice what I preach. And when you practice what you preach, there's power in your seed. And that seed will not return void, but it will accomplish and it will manifest everything it was planted to do. 
Mm -hmm. So that is my legacy. Every seed, every time I speak and I speak what I live, the seed that I've sown is going to bring forth a righteous harvest. That is my legacy. Amazing. Amazing. And it makes you feel a little bit more comforted in knowing, yes, the world is difficult. Yes, the world can be scary, but you're doing your part to change that. You may not see all the benefits today, but the works are in action. That's it. PBJ, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I love you so much. Thank I you. I love for you too. I want to thank everybody for joining myself and my friend PBJ and tuning into another episode of Minding Mind. Remember, if this episode resonated with you, comment, rate, review. Everything that you say helps me grow. And until next time, go live your life on your terms and please mind your business. We'll catch you in the next episode. Oh,